Vitamin Dice is an actual play RPG podcast made by adults for adults. Things can get pretty rowdy round this year game table, and it is not appropriate content for children. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello, and welcome back to Vitamin Dice, your your podcast that you're listening to. <laughs> Sorry, we're not doing a campaign today. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing a, uh, a talkback episode. We sent out for some questions. We have a few. I also have some general prompts for you all. Nice. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great way to uh, process this campaign. <laughs> season one, as, as we would say. Yeah, season one. So, Valando, what was presented to us? Uh, what do you mean? What like, are what the questions? questions? What are the questions? Yeah, what were the three questions? Oh, well, I'll tell you them when we get there. <laughs> I think we should start with my sort of general prompts. Yes, that's that's good. The first prompt is, tell me about the campaign from your perspective as a player in the campaign and as a collaborative storyteller. Should we answer these in the order that we do the intro? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> I feel like... So we've got a no from Josh. I haven't thought on this at all. I, I want to wait to see what everyone answers is before I use Yeah, because that's, that's, that's a hard question. The campaign, from my perspective, was definitely... It hit the tone that I was going for at the very beginning when we were like on the expedition and on the sea of like going to a new world, essentially. And then mm. we suddenly were entrapped in my backstory, What, which felt rather quick. <laughs> That's funny because from my perspective, uh, it was really slow to get there. True. And that might just be because of the time frame of month to month. Like in real life, it took us a long time to get there. But in comparison, we were on the sea for a few weeks and then we were at camp for two weeks. And then two days after we left camp, give or take a few, we suddenly were introduced to our backstory of Keol. It was literally only like four, maybe five weeks into the campaign before Keol's entire backstory got dropped. I just find that funny. <laughs> and it's not a criticism. It's just sort of like... No, I liked it's it. Very, yeah, yeah, I liked it too because it was, it was so different than so many other stories that I had seen where it's such a slow buildup to the reveal of, of like a mysterious character's backstory where there's all of this mystery all at once and then suddenly everything is answered. Mm -hmm. So it was I found satisfying. it. Yeah, I found it fun and satisfying. I'm so interested to see what the rest of your characters' reveals are going to be, particularly with what the fuck is going on with Elsie. Like <laughs> even before the whole Anki Durai thing came up, Elsie seemed to be the protagonist of things. She was the chosen one and still could be the chosen one. So that's what I'm most interested in looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, what about as a collaborative storyteller? Ooh. Because certainly in your arc, you had quite a hand in the story. You did have lots of moments. It was it was fun to flex my sort of s describing things. Creativity. Narration. Narration of sorts to sort of describe the worlds that are in my head. Because I've tried writing stuff down in the past, but I find that vocalizing descriptions is a lot better for my brain. Particularly with like describing the way things look. I struggle with writing that stuff down. So it's been a lot of fun to just sort of flex that kind of muscle and I guess sort of be the narrator for this story. And it's awesome to see the reactions that come off of you guys and how you guys perceive and 
react to the world that to this sort of story I've presented. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember the the moment that it actually like hit me. What was actually going on was when basically when you told us that zeal was your father mm. and i was like i legit thought that was like some random villain guy <laughs> and nah, so like, man. all of a sudden i was like holy fuck we're just right in the middle of this whole thing and so yeah. like it was for me it didn't feel like a build-up even though it clearly was in retrospect but it just sort of hit all at once like that holy is... fuck that's what's happening here that's very elsie though <laughs> especially for me because like oh yeah you just got a colonoscopy and next thing you know you're some strangers entering your room and then boom you're in a jail cell in another dimension Ain't that always how it is Ain't that yeah. always, always how it is, how it is. <laughs> It was such a tonal shift because we went to that right from like Ailing and Elsie's side story <laughs> where they So now the village like, is on fire. It's like and... a fucking sitcom <laughs> with Elsie and Ailing and then we like went to bed and woke up in Keel's thriller. It kind of, it, it definitely did. I felt the moment that we woke up and heard that the village was on fire, that was like the complete tonal shift of the story. Because mm -hmm. Kiol's backstory is a tragic one. And, you know, there's not a lot of things you can find super funny in it. I, I was so interested to see how your characters would respond to just the suddenness of, oh shit. And even I, I kind of figured that V would introduce at least my brothers or there was a group, but not just my father has arrived to come <laughs> kick our asses. It that I was me. not expecting. That tonal shift really reminds me of metaphorical show of hands. Who has seen Mulan? I mean, everyone, right? Because yeah. there's that one scene at the end of, at the end of the song, Girl Worth Fighting For. That song is so bright and so happy. And then they immediately cut to the village just like, Desecrated. I know exactly and what you're talking about. Yeah, that was what I thought of when that moment happened. <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty much how it felt. That is actually a very astute comparison. We're all like, ooh, exploring things like this. Murder, <laughs> fire. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking well, tragedy. I, mean, I watched. It keeps people. It keeps people engaged. You know. That's true. That is true. <laughs> we could go through like several more sessions of just going out and exploring the world, and I'm pretty sure that would have been fine. But it was that sudden Mulan shift of like, oh, there's an entire village that just got burned to the ground. It's it's very snappy to be like, hey, we got some actual story tragedy going on here. Let's let's focus up. Not everything is happy. Not everything is happy. Yeah, in a way, that was kind of like the story that we want to tell for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Just like coming into like the regular D&D &D campaign that we were playing. Yeah. That's that's an interesting way to put it, because it felt to me like we arrived in this big city and now we're settling in for like some downtime. <laughs> that's yeah. what I thought we were getting ready for. Uh, it's like, oh, we're just like, no, yeah. We're I, just... I fully expected like us to just head first into the stranger's backstory. I, can't, I, I did. I did expect that, too. But in that in that way, though, <laughs> not in that way. I mean, not explicitly, but. I definitely expected it. I knew that we were gonna, we weren't going to be staying in the village for very long because we have information to go off of. So we were going to spend the night, mm -hmm. or however long it would take for a leg to sort of 
get back Feel up better. in the fighting form. Right. But we we had this whole investigation thing that we were ready. We were well, investigating yeah, the gift. Right? We were investigating the gith at the time. That's They were the main focus. We were going to go gith and then weird cult thing and then whatever anybody else was going to go into. And that might have been a, a meta choice because we knew that we wanted to get into the stranger's backstory first. But also it, it kind of made sense because Keol is like, oh shit. If the gith have arrived, then this is bad news, and I have bad to. Bears. I've got to stomp out whatever they're trying soon as possible. It was interesting, but it was really cool for sure. Like that was a mm. really badass decision that was made. I remember yeah. feeling real genuine fear when he grabbed me and yeeted me to limbo. And I felt like real actual fear. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I know, like when, when Das disappears, I was like, well, fuck. Do you want to know where I felt the most fear? Was when I shot him in the back of the head and he put that <laughs> bullet back into my gun. Was when I was like, fuck. Fuck. This, uh, yeah. I was so shocked, I couldn't respond in kind. I literally, I don't think I responded... I listened back to that and was just silent for a second. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and shoot again because I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, fuck. What, that's my only ability is yeah, that's oh, gun. <laughs> that's my only, that's not my only ability, but that is true. That is, you're right. Your other ability is harsh words. Um, uh, I cast gun. I cast gun. <laughs> the gun wizard spell of fuck you. I can pick you guys up around the battlefield and get you out. I got unconscious A-League out of the path uh, of a rampaging T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Fucking T-Rex. Oh, uh, that was good. <laughs> we got so off topic. It is so much fun seeing how this group has sort of come together more. Because when we first started, it was a lot of like getting our sea legs in uh, sort uh, of uh, the... Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, for Frankie and Phoenix and Josh, who Josh, you have had some experience, but you three are definitely like the the newbies, so to speak. Seeing you guys grow, not just as players, which is not the most important thing, but as leaning more into your characters has been a joy to watch. And being able to bounce my character off of yours and feeling like there'll be that organic response is a lot of fun and something I haven't experienced as much in other campaigns I've been a part of. So I love the way that it's going. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah. And for Fistful of Greed to see what our new group dynamic is going to be. Yeah. That'll be fun. I can't wait for that. Oh, God. It's going to be fucking amazing. And then when we... Season two of New World is going to yeah, be... Yeah, we got to do that soon as well. Special. Yeah. I really mm -hmm. feel like we're just totally going to hit the ground running for season two of a new Great. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It's going to be so good. Me and Valand will probably still have to chat that through and figure yeah. out. Right. Yeah. I, you you want to have a solid foundation to yeah. like jump into mm -hmm. when we get started. Yeah. Like for, for Caden, for Keel's arc, Caden and I had to like, we, we met up just to like do some planning outside of when we recorded just because mm -hmm. it's not just an arc of a campaign in the game. It, it's really like, it, it was more like a production meeting. Yeah, it's really like a collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's going to happen in this season of the show? And mm -hmm. I will admit, I think that's an amazing way to DM. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait for it when it comes to mine, which regrettably is at the very end, but I'm so excited <laughs> well, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've, I've played in a few campaigns now, and this is like by far the most engaging for every character because mm. every character knows that there will come a point where we will delve into who they are and, you know, what, what drives them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of fun.
I will say I was not as prepared as I could have been because <laughs> when we all got disappeared, that was when Vlandal messaged me and was like, okay, I'm going to need some people and things to <laughs> describe. And I literally that week, actually, I think it was like two weeks. I was writing and working on stuff about Limbo and I still haven't fully written out all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't blow so, them away with your brilliance. Baffle them with your bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> like for That's the audience, here on vitamin dice. Just for the audience listening, um, we don't know what the fuck is going on either. Yeah, like <laughs> for character arcs specifically, Valandal and whoever's character, like you know, for this time it's Valandal and Caden. They sort of knew what was going on, but the rest of us, we just got to experience it the same way our characters did, completely yep. blind. Yep. This campaign is. I think it's a lot more planned than the average D&D campaign. Oh, for sure. But it's certainly not scripted or, like, anything even close to that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hopefully that's obvious. Yeah. I, no, I would love if people were like, this is clearly scripted. That's true. <laughs> that is the ultimate compliment when somebody is like, this has to be scripted. It's not scripted? It's not, I would no. not be mad at all. We ain't got time for that. I'm curious... Caden, what you mm. think were like the most prominent moments of making a choice throughout the, this uh, season? Making a choice? Yeah, like it, something that affected the story. To not eat the blue mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making be. a choice. Certainly, I suppose if there's one thing that I could say is that I wish Tasa didn't have to die or that I could have done something to save her, but at the same time, it felt poignant to his story to be like, there's not a lot left. And I think that there, there's even more of a tragedy to it where at one point Kiel had said no more Zualtis. And then literally after that, two more died. Yeah. It do be like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't even know if I can say that I had a choice in most of it. You just let Kiel do whatever he was going to do. Pretty much. Kiel, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the main thing about Kiel's story is that throughout his tragedy, all he wanted to do was build. Revenge wasn't exactly on his mind at all times. His main goal was bring back Unakai and then possibly go back and reinstate his family. And if he can kill his father along the way, great. But like his last words to Zeol were, I will build something better and you will not be there to break it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of knew that Kiel's main goal was not to kill his father. Um, mm-hmm. But like that's clear. That's like clearly where the climax to that arc was. Right. So I, I kind of pushed that into happening. <laughs> right, yeah. But thematically, it seemed kind of necessary. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't think I pushed it like against no. where it was meant to go. But it definitely, a, as Zeol, I like kind of yeah. It, and it, it was playing the character like you would play the character because Zeol would want to make an example of Kiel, either to subjugate him or to destroy him. Kiel just watched his surrogate mother get torn apart. That was really traumatic. Thinking about that moment, realizing after the the session was over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in real life, that'd be like, yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah. He handled it surprisingly well in the moment. Well, Kiel has dealt with trauma his entire life from start to now, 
has mm-hmm. just been some form of trauma or another. And it's also the fact that he is an alien and their emotional spectrum is far different than a human's. Mm-hmm. So, well, I also just think like, just like you as the player, you don't process all of those emotions right then when your father is still standing there and trying to kill you. Keel yeah. would probably be processing the, those emotions that night at the monastery while people are sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's just sort of how that works. Like you don't like, especially yeah. when you you have like so much adrenaline. Like that that is not the time for processing emotions. You just kind of have stuff to do at the moment. Yeah, it was definitely like I gotta kill this motherfucker as quickly as possible. Kill, 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 kill. I honestly feel like I was kind of in the backseat on for this character uh, for this arc of the campaign, and I don't mind that because I really did enjoy watching Caden get to describe shit and everything. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like Caden's character was really obviously the star of the show in yeah, season ex- one. So it's like definitely the second half of season one. Yeah, for, oh, sure. for sure. I don't, I don't so know if he like, necessarily stole the show in the first in like, the beginning, seven yeah. episodes. There wasn't much storytelling that we could do on our parts when it's like yeah. his his homeworld. So like, I'm gonna ignore the second half of the first mm-hmm. question. But the campaign, from my perspective as a player, I I really enjoy seeing these types of campaigns unfold and getting to see players like just spew their creative desires out and actually get to collab with the dm about the campaign and like what's going on i i I love it so much and i think it's the best way to actually run a campaign because everyone gets absolute enjoyment out of it yeah heck yeah i think it might be you up next connor oh fuck is it me (laughs) historically it is connor next yeah Historically, once again, <laughs> we have the missed the mark. Strikes again. <laughs> okay, so, damn. That's it. That's the answer. Damn. <laughs> uh, well, good, good response. Good response. Good. I think it's very insightful. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah. Although, Connor, why do you think for a sec? I don't think that just because half of the first season was Keel's arc that the other players didn't have like like I, I definitely felt like all of you as players were still collaborative well yeah kind of thing like I don't think it was just Caden and I yeah, yeah there were, and the thing about it is that the first half of the season was definitely a lot of setup and a lot of great building of the foundations of relationships and getting to know these characters and us as players it was really the introduction and then like sprinkled all throughout the first half was like a bunch of like little seeds that I planted oh yeah well, and I think all the other characters also have planted a few seeds. Oh, yeah. It was definitely like laying the laying all the seed work in the garden. And then the first plant that sprouted was mine. And then after that, we'll see how those seeds sprout throughout the rest of the campaign. So while, yeah, the first season, the second half is definitely Keol centric. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like the first half, there was so much interpersonal relationship that it was amazing to listen to listening back to it seeing all the relationships that are starting to sprout up and then how those will affect further arcs for me personally the relationship between keol unikai and elsie was super fun to sort of think about in my head Mm -hmm. this little person is weaker than the rest of the group must protect the little bean and then i wanted to have a more personal connection between unikai and Elsie in the same vein of like, you know, the sibling that had passed. So those little seeds that have been planted from the rest of the interactions, I am very excited to see how those come up in the next arcs, whatever those look like. Collaborative garden. 
<laughs> yeah, collaborative garden. <laughs> and a, a lot of a lot of Bast's seeds uh, were planted only for the audience. Yes, which is super fun because I've not listened to a single one of them. Yeah. So when it comes out, it's going to be really like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Are you in this predicament because you set off a trap and it blew up your kingdom? <laughs> no. I'm sorry, what? I have, I have a, I feel like I have a different perspective on that because I actually know at least Connor, like part of the secret. Yeah. Elsie is the only character that even has a little bit of knowledge about what is going on with Bast. Which is not so... I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to get into the season two. Yeah, this yeah, is good. Sure. Season two, we definitely need to make it known that you stole my fucking goddamn cocaine. <laughs> I Yeah, Josh. That definitely should happen in season two. Yeah. I feel like it would make sense for that to to be like a, a B thing. plot in, yeah. in yeah. season two. Season two is going to be best exploring a lot of emotional things and figuring out her life <laughs> hopefully your yeah. surrogate mother doesn't get ripped apart in front of it's, you yeah it's gonna be oh. I, I really Worse. don't think that's gonna they happen they get peeked together in front of her oh no dun, dun, dun. like a Frankenstein abomination season 2 the next arc is going to be best arc but I also want all of you and especially Josh based on your perspective on, on Kiel's arc I, I still want all of you to be planting some more seeds especially during the first half and that i think tapers off a little bit when you get closer and closer to the climax all right yes <laughs> i mean i was planting seeds all the way up until the final episode of season one i was still planting seeds about dr belmore <laughs> i still managed to find yeah. ways to do that it's also and you also character. started late so yeah I, I, yeah I made up for lost time with that one <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, definitely. Elsie yeah. had never really been on an adventure like this before. So, like, especially at the beginning of the campaign, I really wanted to display her anxiety about being in an unfamiliar situation. And that first combat encounter on the ship where all the zombies came up onto the deck was fucking wild. And it was a bit of a turning point for Elsie. She sort of realized what she was actually getting into. <laughs> it was just like, holy fuck, that can this can happen? Throughout the um, majority mm -hmm. of the campaign, will. I was mostly focused on trying to establish relationships between myself and other characters. Yeah, for for most of it, I sort of was right. not trying to steer the ship too much, so to speak, and focused on like. Right. That was Captain Magical's job. <laughs> yeah, it took, it took it was. a while, I think, to figure out how group dynamic would be. It wasn't really to, like, in a weird way, the introduction of Unakai, I feel like that was another turning point for Elsie's arc. And not much had really been um, going on. From Elsie's perspective, she didn't really notice anything meaningful mm -hmm. or like dramatic, uh, sort of going on around her. There was sort of there was a lot that she just didn't know about, <laughs> and right. so in terms of her relationship with the stranger, the Unakai <laughs> really spoke to her in a certain way, and the choice to attack 
Zeol during the Anki Durai was like, there was so much that was built up so quickly and then and then paid off in that moment that I really was not expecting. I was mostly f- just content with staying out of the spotlight as much as yeah. possible. Even though things were happening around me, I wasn't too too worried about being in the focus until then. Key thing about anxiety is that, you know, you don't want to ever be put out in the open. So it's it's very fun when a character who has that kind of anxiety gets suddenly thrust into this sort of environment and then also has this interpersonal connection with somebody that is that strong that I didn't realize. And it's kind of my biggest hope for making that decision for Unikai was that it would give Elsie more of a drive to be more involved in the group. Maybe not with the whole group, but certainly I wanted to find that connection between our two characters because I feel like Keol and Elsie are very opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> no, really? Mm-hmm. Which I was like, I want to see how this would turn out, how that kind of relationship would go. It's kind of like, and forgive me, I don't want to be presumptuous about how it'll go in the future, but I imagine it being kind of like a Kratos and Atreus kind of dynamic. <laughs> just just off of feeling, not necessarily through example, but that sort of vibe of a very stoic, almost unemotional character becoming very protective of this light chipper, very loves life, loves adventure, kind of a bumbling fool, but very lovable and how that would turn out. So, and Unikai was already in, in the forefront of my mind, obviously. The inspiration for my character was is based around so many things, but that was kind of the driving point of my character is the, that relationship between Kiel and Unikai. But I didn't want it to be that weird thing of me having that interaction with myself consistently. <laughs> I wanted there to be an outside sort of focus for the both of us to engage ourselves with. It's it's very fun to see to know that Unikai introduced Elsie to the group more efficiently. Yeah, that whole sequence sort of threw a wrench into Elsie's sort of status quo because she had just found her little like corner of the group where she just like fit in and she was just like yeah I'll I'll just heal everyone that gets damaged and occasionally I can fucking blast a fool but <laughs> mainly I just want to like lay down the support and outside of combat, it was just the same thing where it's like, I never want to be in charge of anything. I just want to help with whatever is going on. And I would have stayed there <laughs> at the end of the campaign, at the end of the season as well, if not for... Okay. Well, yeah, it was sort of a perfect storm in that in the finale of things just like coming together in such a specific way where like Elsie, not only hearing... Akil describe Unakai's fate, but she literally saw it like along so along with everyone. Mm-hmm. And then during the fight, the way that Zeol attacked Unakai was the exact same way as how yep. he originally had killed her. And it was <sighs> holy fuck. It was there was all these things that had to come together in that exact way to be such an intense trigger for Elsie mm-hmm. in that moment. I like yeah. the way that you tell stories with Elsie, for sure. I'm so excited to see how that grows in season two. Yeah, so it, it took her a long time to feeling, like, secure. Mm-hmm. And it didn't last long <laughs> before... <laughs> oh, man. Right. Yeah. The, the main inspiration for Elsie 
was the idea of the psychology behind the the person who's like the healer archetype because for me the the mechanics in this case came first where it was like oh my i'm just gonna build my character to be like a support and a healer it's kind of how and i did it, mine yeah. and then it's like okay so with that in mind who is this person behind the archetype exactly and like what in a mat in a world of like magic and monsters and such what causes a person to want to be a healer that's awesome uh, in in that way to yeah. and to such a point where like they choose to take on the pain of others in a literal way yeah quite a literal actual sense that, what a clutch move by the way warding bond scene that was crazy as well because that that literally was like elsie's desire to help keel and not and not feel like uh, powerless to help right and that desire pushed to its absolute extreme eventually caused her to fuck the whole thing up <laughs> yeah then the fallout of that and like losing her magic is just like it's gonna be interesting to see where you go i mean yeah season two is gonna be like completely different because of that yeah and, and as, because elsie was so obsessed with proving herself in the team and like proving herself worthy that losing her magic is like devastating to her identity in the group how, how do you think she responded internally to all of the support that came her way from like keol and unakai and dr belmore she just uh, does, there's like a mental disconnect i feel right where she just doesn't she can't accept that her friends could possibly understand how she feels right which is so They're... funny considering <laughs> everything about dr velvore and, and yeah that she, you guys get to learn she's later probably wrong <laughs> but that's what she feels like is that there's so much that she doesn't want to say that she's like if only you understood how i how i feel you don't, i don't feel the way that you think i do and you can't possibly understand which is probably the furthest thing from the truth. It might not be true, yeah. That'll be definitely a discussion for season two, and that interaction will be a lot of fun. So this this campaign was pretty different for me because I, I chose to go a certain direction with my character that I have never done before. I've never played a campaign where my character had like some twist or a big secret or, you know, that was like a totally new experience for me. So playing this campaign with that in mind really made me think a lot more about how I reacted to things specifically. And I can't, I can't really elaborate on that because a lot of you don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> it only makes but, sense to um, you know the secret. I think it's it's really interesting to to have that dynamic, and I'm probably from here on out at least going to try to continue to do that because for me personally, I think it makes the campaign a lot more fun and interesting. It, it helps me as a as a player to be a collaborative storyteller because I have a perspective that only I have. Right. That is a big thing about D and D in general that I i love so much is that you can attach yourself to a perspective and then you have all of these other perspectives it's just a real big like exercise in understanding life and opinions and stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah it becomes more of like a real story when you play it that way 
instead of being like a game where you're a P- NPC or something. You know what I mean? I'm a warrior. I yeah. go and do warrior <laughs> things. Do the thing, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's my uh, my input on that prompt. What are your thoughts about season two? I'm really excited about it, and I'm really excited to explore that side of Fast because she, as a character, has done a lot of that exploring. But me, the player, I I haven't been there. If that makes sense, like. Bast has done all of these things, but I just wrote it down. Like, I didn't actually experience those things. So it'll be interesting to experience it with her. If that if that makes sense. I don't know if I sound like a crazy person right now. <laughs> no. I'm not sure if it makes sense or not. I'll have to figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> I have been put into a rather interesting position with this campaign in that I joined late. And so... By the time that I had joined, you know, there were already connections made within the party. You can't just fight like a a horde of zombies and not have an inherent connection with the people you fought that horde of zombies with. So coming into this, I genuinely was kind of anxious. That's why Belmore was so awkward (laughs) in the first two episodes, even aside from his flaw. Like, fuck yeah, I was worried that you guys would like either I wouldn't click with you guys, or, you know, Belmore wouldn't be read properly, I wouldn't portray him properly, and you guys wouldn't like him. Like, I was stressed for, like, a while. But then, slowly but surely, as Belmore got more comfortable with the group, so did I. It was one of those Mm. things where I evolved alongside him. And throughout season one, I was kind of worried that in moments that I shouldn't have, I stole the spotlight. That was something that I was worried about. The reveal Mm. of Belmore's wings. I was worried that that was taking away from everything. Or the reveal of Agdradax or whatever. Even though that was like a small scene that I did on my own, I was worried I was taking away from everything else. But then I just... Something changed. I don't know what it was. Something shifted and I just felt fucking great about everything. Yeah. I felt like as as we moved forward, I was like, this is the coolest shit that I've ever done. Yeah. I don't know what it is because I've played D&D before. I've played, you know, Blood of Heroes. Well, I hang out here on Friday mornings. I help Valandal with some stuff with Stars of Yggdrasil and with Blood of Heroes and all that. Like, you know. I've done this before, but I've never done this with a consistent group as much as I have here. And it's nice. It's fun. I really like playing Dr. Belmore, and I really like Belmore's relationships with everyone else. The tiny things like Elsie going, here, take my hand, when we were going to go sit down to listen to Keel's backstory, to the moment with Keel and Belmore on the ship, just having that heart to heart. That was my favorite. I love telling stories with you guys. It's so Mm -hmm. fun just to like see how we bounce off of each other. Mm -hmm. I think a big part is how great we all bounce off of each other just as players. Yeah. Like we just have this like friendship that makes it really easy to grow friendships naturally with our characters. Mm -hmm. Belmore was the odd man out for a while because, you know, he was gone the first several episodes and then he was there and he was like, oh, I feel kind of awkward about not being here at the start. But then as you guys welcomed me in, Belmore felt welcomed by everyone too. And so I'm really excited to see storytelling wise what further stories we can tell 
Because while Kiel's arc, you know, was obviously about Kiel, I felt a lot of smaller arcs and connections happened too between people. Oh yeah. The silly moments with Elsie and Aelig in the town <laughs> and also <laughs> Kiel, Bast, and Belmore having their moment together in the police station and in mm. in like the um the, the Lord library. Keeper's house. That was one of my favorite scenes between the three of us. Like, we had to have those moments even in the big arc. And so I'm just excited to see how these characters are going to grow closer. Even if, you know, Elsie feels disconnected with everyone. Even if Kiel now has Unakai in the physical space to occupy his time. I feel like all of us are still going to have those opportunities to grow closer. Uh, No, I think that was pretty good. That was all right. That was great. (laughs) I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good. Um, that was at least as good as I was expecting. You've exceeded my expectations. Well done, everybody. Excellent. I got EE. I love these discussions because you really get to see if all the work you put into it actually sunk in or see what somebody took from it. Because you can, you can present it with your own perspective, but to hear other people's perspectives and how they interpreted it is a lot of fun, especially as an artist. Let's go on to uh, the audience questions. We got three audience questions. Thank you, audience. That's genuinely more than I was expecting. That is, yeah, three more than I thought we would get. So the first question I would like to read comes to us from, well, they all come from Instagram. First we have here from Typical Tatted Viking. What makes your campaign different than other, more traditional campaigns? I think the biggest thing that makes this campaign different from other campaigns is the fact that we've structured it where there is an arc, a story arc, not a character arc. Hopefully all the characters will have very interesting arc, but there's a story arc that is centered on each of the characters and the campaign will be done when we've done a story arc that centers on each character and so season one the first half was just kind of getting into the campaign and then we've done kiel's character or uh kiel's story arc rather i think most characters have have begun to have character arcs within that so that overall structure is i would say the biggest thing that makes this different from other campaigns and then secondary to that is the inspiration for the campaign when i was daydreaming for like my idea to pitch to the players for what the campaign would be. It was from when I was in a college history course and my teacher was talking about the age of sale. And uh, the teacher that I had for history was just, he gave very interesting lectures and he made history seem very interesting. So he was talking about the age of sale and like the Portuguese discovering America. And I was just like, wow, that sounds like that sounds really cool. I wonder if I could make that a D&D campaign. And alas, you did. <laughs> I don't know if that's alas, quite One down. Thank you, Typical Tide of Viking. Unless uh, if any of you have uh, insight as to what makes this different from a traditional campaign, I open the floor to you. It is definitely, it is definitely different because playing in a normal campaign feels like the quintessential, you, you meet in a tavern and you yeah. go. Yeah, I and love the not... quintessential you beat in a tavern, honestly. And that's great, too. It is good, yeah. But there is something to be said about having this prompt of exploration be the starting point, And then also having, like, these major points of, like, you know your story is going to be 
a driving point of the campaign, as opposed to mm-hmm. other campaigns where you write a backstory, you present it to your DM, and then you might get something out of that, but you're never entirely sure. Yeah, that's one mm. thing that I noticed. The character-driven. Mm-hmm. Your yes, backstory matters. Certainly, yeah. I feel like in most campaigns, you know, it's like it's Curse of Strahd, where everyone is, like, trapped in Barovia, and you have to go around to the towns and do the quests, and you have to get strong so you can fight Strahd. And then the characters' backstories factor in maybe a little bit, and there's maybe, like, a couple side plots. Right. That relate to characters' backstories. Yeah, if, right. you, if you as a DM open up Curse of Strahd and run that for your players, it will be a fun game. But, like, yeah. ultimately, you're telling Strahd's story, and the mm-hmm. characters are just playing the game. Whereas this is definitely, yeah. the story is your character's story. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant when I was talking about the NPC thing. Like, yes, you are playing the character, but it's not your story. It's someone else's story, and you're just in it. Right. Like, when you play the Elder Scrolls, and it's not your character's story because the game designers don't know your character. They just made their game about dragons, and then you you can play the game. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the Dungeons part. Oh, Oh, yes. Dungeons. The original Dungeons & Dragons. Computer Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the other two questions are very fun. Are you guys? Uh, are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Hold on. Let me go to the bathroom real quick before we start. Okay. Go ahead. I will. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, now Connor's going to the bathroom, so we need to wait another like. God oh, damn it! No fuck. Can you guys all just pee at the same time? <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone's bladders are functioning slightly lagged from each other. It's like a domino effect. I thought we synced. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I am 0. 0.2 seconds behind, all right? And we're 1.4 seconds ahead. Okay, Connor's back. Okay, hello. <laughs> now I'm 0. 0.3 seconds behind. Hello, Connor. Are you ready? No, because I need yes. to go now. I'm God. kidding. <sighs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. You really had me there, Josh. Yeah. You, you really you really joshed me. Yeah, I really did josh uh. you there. All right, oh, so this no. uh, <laughs> question number two, right? Let's yes. do it. This audience question comes to us from Jane Love the Stars, and it is: I want to hear the players' thoughts on their characters as Disney princesses. <gasps> oh, oh man! Yeah, I me already and, know. Me and Flandel already had a discussion about this, but I kind of forgot what we determined. <laughs> Holy fuck! Oh, fuck! I know what I know what Belmore's Disney princess would be. Ooh, I actually. I had a theory about it. Belmore's Disney princess. My theory was... Rapunzel. Not that. But specifically Rapunzel from the sequel series, because that was after she got her hair cut and she lost all her magic, but then her, her hair regrew and she got all of her magic back. So he's specifically Rapunzel from the sequel series. I see. My, <laughs> my guess for Belmore was going to be Belle. Oh, uh, Belle also is good. Just because of the books thing. Yeah. yeah, Rapunzel, but Belle. Now that I'm thinking about it, Belle definitely works. It's a fusion of the two. Yeah, I like the uh, the hair magic allegory. Because really, at the end of the day, hair is the closest thing that we have to magic in this world. Don't know. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I guess, yeah, Belle and Rapunzel, if they were one person. Belpunzel, if you will. Belpunzel, nice. my favorite Belle Disney princess. Belpunzel. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> who did we... I forget who we said Bast was. I think it was Mulan. I kind of want to say it was Mulan, too. 
think it was Mulan. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Mulan. I can also get up a list of all Disney princesses if that would help. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah. I would also potentially say... No, I know who... I know who Aelic would be. I know who oh, Aelic yeah. would be. Everyone knows who Aelic would be. What? We do? Merida! If you yeah, had the chance Merida. to change your fate. <laughs> if you had the chance to change your would fate. Would you? Would you? Would you? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Basmix. I don't support Disney, but that is pretty funny. <laughs> Would you? Oh yeah, uh, f- fuck Disney, but also. <laughs> but also, listen, I I don't like the corporation, but Brave is one of my favorites of theirs. Well, that was before Disney turned absolute dog shit, so it gets yeah, a pass. Yeah, I agree. So I have a list of all Disney princesses. These are not in like chronological order. This is just the order that they are on on princess.disney.com. <laughs> Tiana, Moana, Ariel, Mulan, Belle, Pocahontas, Snow White, Cinderella, Rapunzel, Merida, Jasmine, Aurora, Elsa, and Anna. Those are your choices. Damn. Choose you know, your fighter. I feel like Elsie... I know who she strikes me as. Really? Yeah. Anna. She strikes me as oh, Anna. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a great <sighs> one. Oh, that is a wow. good one. Why? Because Anna <laughs> is kind and strong-hearted and adventurous, cares ex- cares almost overwhelmingly about the people that she loves, would do anything for them, including turn to complete ice, potentially ruin her home. She will do anything for the people that she loves, and she will stop yeah. nothing all. to protect them. Fuck it all. <laughs> That's Elsa. <laughs> yeah. Don't care. Even Elsa, still, it Elsie, works whatever. for this. Yeah. But Elsie strikes me as Anna. Oh, nice. That's a really good one for her. I was thinking maybe Ariel. Ariel also. Yeah. Ariel would Curious. also work pretty well. I Very... see I see Ariel just in terms of like the personality. Not in, not, not in goals necessarily, but so, yeah. sort of the personality It's a little wise. bit of a fusion thing as well where it's an Ariel-Anna. Ah, yes. I think, I think Fast, like ethnicity-wise, Jasmine for sure. But, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, if Bast was going to cosplay as a Disney princess, she would go as Jasmine. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But personality-wise, I think it's definitely Mulan because Mulan is very much, you know, a warrior, mm-hmm. as is Bast. Strong sense of armor. Very focused. Very yeah. willing to do what it takes. Focused, you know? disciplined. I'm reading yeah. here on that. the Disney Princess Wiki that her marriage to General Li Shang does not grant her any titles. What no, the fuck is up just, with that? Uh, she granted she's just considered a titles. Disney princess because of the emperor, uh, of, of, like trying to appoint her as his head general, and so that act plus the prerequisites for what a Disney princess is. They're strong. They are brave. They, you know, yeah, a princess they worthy rule. act. She's so not on. technically a princess in the story, but she's a Disney princess because she represents she a queen, what they bitch. represent. So She's Mulan, in the lineup. So. Mulan is like a, a Disney princess because of like a technicality or like a fringe yes. case, or she just like has she just like has a good lawyer. Yeah, the same the, reason why Esmeralda was a Disney princess in the '90s. Esmeralda is not a princess, but she was a Disney princess for a long time. What? Yeah, because General Shang isn't like a prince or anything. Yeah, but because the emperor said so, the emperor said so. <laughs> Esmeralda was removed from the official lineup around 2005. Yep. I'm I'm seeing here. Now, this is some deep lore here. I'm trying to think of who I do fits not know Kiel. who Kiel would be. Um, I think who did we who did we talk for Mirabelle from Encanto. Really? Mirabelle. Dead that, there was I, dead is that who we <laughs> I don't remember us talking about that. I don't see Mirabelle. I don't either. 
Not really. Keol, I don't think fits any Disney personality, let's be honest. It, there's not really a Disney princess that is sort of sullen and introspective and quiet hmm. and, like, is more of, like, the tinkerer. Tinkerbell? Well, tinkerer specifically, no, unless you got the, the joke with uh, Tinkerbell's name. Yeah, let me give... Let me she give has me, a tinker fairy. That's her thing, so... I'll, I'll give it one more shot. Uh... Moana. Tiana, Moana? sort of, because Tiana, Tiana maybe. She Tiana? took life by the horns and went, You're gonna give me what I want, or so help me God. So <laughs> I might Yeah. yeah Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Tiana. Yes. Yeah. Tiana. I could I oh you know what? If I was gonna choose anybody, Tiana probably the most. There hmm. we go. Handled. Yeah. We figured it out. <laughs> All right, we got there eventually. We, we did. All right, and then uh, our final audience question comes to us from Joe Fire. Thank you. And it is, uh, I kind of want to know what the players and DM think about the question, does your character fuck? Belmore wishes he could. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> A drunk Scotsman, what do you think? You guys are fucking... <laughs> I, think I feel like Ailing is like, I is in the same vein of he tries to but bumbles so much that he might occasionally. Yeah, he, he fucks occasionally. Think... He strikes out more than he gets home runs. But does he care? No. He's in it for the thrill. <laughs> it's the thrill of the lot. It's the thrill of rejection that gets me horny, you dumb bitch. Oh, my God. You ever find think... some animated skeletons in an old crypt? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to add an extra bone to them to make them whole. I'm killing myself. Oh, uh, we're so bad at this. God. Bad? I think you mean dad joke's amazing. I know this was probably met as, like, kind of a silly question. Right. But I feel like Bast... Does Bast probably she, she probably, like, would love to have a relationship or, you know, get close to somebody in that way, but because of who she is and what she's dealing with, I mm. think in the most vague way that I can say that it's possible, I think she's afraid to. Huh. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Keol is ace, so he doesn't want to. That's fair. I see. 10-10. I think in general, Elsie does not fuck. I think she would, she would have to really love someone and know them for a long time in order for her to want to do that. That's yeah. fair. Mm. Ain't nobody in Everyone's this party. Everyone's got fucking... attachment issues on this party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Once again, uh, no. Aleg is uh, shirking your depressive, too real sensibilities. Yeah, I'm like, how's wrong with y'all sad bitches? Keep in mind, children. <laughs> sad? That's just who I am, motherfucker. Keep in mind, trauma will make you strong because trauma <laughs> is a knife and its wounds become scars, which are stronger than the original skin. But don't lean on the fucking knife because it'll kill you. Aye. Wise words. And you yeah, gotta remember, guys, Alig's worst nightmare was Tobias Redmayne getting the credit for his accomplishments. <laughs> yes, that's right. I Tobias remember that. Tobias yeah. Redmayne, you bastard. You bloody fucking bastard. That, I, and I even think that we made reference to it in the moment where Bass and I had these really traumatic nightmares. Yeah. And then yep. Alig had the quintessential nightmare of getting, like, caught Shown in up. class in just your underwear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It was literally, it was Lord Calder going, Tobias, you're so great. Have a million gold. <laughs> and then Alec wakes up in a cold sweat and he's like, oh. 
mass murder, only option. <laughs> so what about you, Belmore? Uh, what about me again? He, he was the first answer, yeah. Yeah, oh. Belmore wishes, wishes he could fuck, yeah. but has not found the right dude yet, so oh. he's good. It's weird because I usually make, like, kind of corny characters, and this <laughs> this character just straight up is not. <laughs> Sex? No thanks. I'm good. <laughs> See, No Belmore, thanks. Belmore isn't overwhelming <laughs> about it, but there is something about him that he's like, I want a connection with someone, and if that's the way that I have to do it, that's fine. Yeah. Hmm. He's very, like, okay with that kind of thing. And he accepts the fact that not everyone else is. He's like, hey, do you want me to find you a partner even though I don't know how to talk to girls? No? Awesome, because I don't know how to talk to girls. <laughs> <laughs> to go into more depth about Kiel, it's more along the lines that he is an alien, and yeah. they have very different reproductive cycles than humans. Yeah, so that's true. It's not just the fact that on an emotional level, he doesn't find sexual contact that pleasurable. Physical contact, you know, with his wife is perfectly fine. But gith are birthed from eggs. It's an interesting thing. <laughs> I don't know, I just, I'm picturing like tiny little keel cracking out of an egg. He still has a beard though. <laughs> and beard. a scowl on his face. What are you doing? Put me down at this instant. <laughs> I did not wish who woke me up. I did not wish to hatch at this moment. Yeah, he just he comes out of like a fucking couch sized egg, just like full sized. <laughs> no, he, he comes out of it as a tiny one foot tall keel. And the best part of it, he could go over to some I want up. <laughs> yeah. Pick me up. Arms no. up. <laughs> I hungry. <laughs> I hung up. Give me milk. Like it's that's just the kind of shenanigans that my brain went through. That's amazing. Man, this is a great group. <laughs> so, yeah. where were those questions from? Instagram or like Reddit? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Instagram. I, there's not a Vitamin Dice Reddit. Maybe there should be. There is also, there's an email. It's vitamindpodcast at gmail.com. So if you ever have questions for us, you can also just email them to us and put something in the subject line that makes me think that you're not advertising something. That Please. Is not a challenge. <laughs> yes, please. That's not a challenge. He will just ignore them. Yeah. I will delete that shit. Unless you're advertising, like, your podcast or something. And then maybe I'll give you a shout out. I don't know. Who knows? Scratch uh, our back, we'll scratch yours type deal. Definitely. Thank you for those of you who submitted questions. Obviously, as you can tell, made the episode so much better. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. If you would, please tell people about the show. We don't pay to advertise this in any way, so we rely entirely upon word of mouth to get the word of our glorious show out into the ears of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> be cool and share us with your friends. Be cool. Please do. We love you guys. <laughs> we love you guys, too. Yes. We love you. And scene. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of New World, presented by Vitamin Dice. Once again, that's V-Y-T-A-M-I-N, Dice. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. Look out for our social media presence so you can follow this campaign. If you enjoyed the show, want to support us, and are excited for bonus content, then you should become a patron on our Patreon. Just look for Vitamin Dice. 
And remember, 9 out of 10 doctors recommend a regular dose of vitamin D, and the D stands for dice.